Hello dear ones, Jeff here again and today I want to challenge you with a message that challenges me. In fact, this message challenges me so much that this uh, text I'm going to share in a moment was the first sermon I ever preached in a church over 35 years ago. So it's uh, very important to me, Uh, it's very encouraging, very challenging And every time I look at this scripture, uh, I get motivated to change my life. And I hope and pray you'll feel the same. I want to talk about making a difference. In fact, I've called this message, You Can Make a Difference. And I've taken the text from the book of Ezra in the Old Testament, from verses, uh, in Ezra chapter 7 rather, verses 8 through 10. But I'm just going to focus mainly on verse 10. But here's the scripture, Ezra 7, 8 through 10. Ezra arrived in Jerusalem in the fifth month of the seventh year of the king. He had begun his journey from Babylon on the first day of the first month, and he arrived on the first day of the fifth month, for the gracious hand of his God was on him. For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. May the dear Lord add his blessing to that reading of his word. So here's Ezra, a priest, one of the exiles in uh, originally in Babylon, now it's the Persian kingdom. And he's commissioned by the king, one of the kings, Artaxerxes it turns out to be, uh, to return to his own country and to restore order there and to set up worship in the temple. That was Artaxerxes' commission to Ezra. But Ezra, of course, was also commissioned and committed to his heavenly king, Almighty God. And it says here that it was a four-month journey from the first of the first month to the uh, first of the fifth month. Four months of travelling. He must have been pretty worn out by the time he got to Jerusalem. And you can read all that story in the first six or seven chapters of the book of Ezra. And it says here at the end of verse 9, For the gracious hand of his God was on him. Why would the gracious hand be on anyone? Why would the gracious hand of God be on you? What, What kind of people do we need to be for God to be gracious to us and make and cause our lives to make a difference. But I'd like to share that with you now. Three points, and the first one from verse 10 is to find the one object of devotion that will change your life. It says here, For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord. He literally set his heart, one version translates it. He set his heart on on studying the law of the Lord. He and he we need to focus on that one thing that'll make the greatest difference in your life. For me, the Bible has become uh, the major book. I read it every day and I pray about it. And over the years I've memorized parts of it. I've studied it. I've, I've had a college, two college degrees on the Bible. Um, which most people obviously won't do. Uh, But I've pursued this with energy, not just when I felt like it. 
Uh, a man I met years ago, uh, Walter Hendrickson, he was a missionary leader. He worked for Wycliffe Bible Translators and many other organisations, but he wrote a little booklet called Many Aspire, But Few Obtain. You can look it up on Google. Many Aspire, But Few Obtain. Many people start off thinking, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to do something, especially Christians. We're going to work for something, but they fizzle out and they don't pursue it. I don't want to be one of those people. And I hope and pray that you don't want to be one of those people either. But yet you would work and you devote yourself to what's important. And the thing that's important is to know God. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow uh, wrote an interesting poem. He was always writing a poem, but one of the poems said this, The heights by great men reached and kept were not obtained by sudden flight, but they, while their companions slept, were toiling upward in the night. Isn't that great? They were toiling upward in the night. When other people are sleeping, these people are toiling. So Ezra had set his heart, devoted himself to the study of the law of the Lord. And and that doesn't mean he wanted just to get an intellectual understanding. Not a quest for information, but it's a search for a person. Because Ezra uses here, when when he uses the word Lord, that's the personal name of God. He wants to know God. And the greatest thing we can do with our life is to come into a personal relationship with God in Jesus Christ. And if you've never done that, the Bible says we're all sinners, you're lost. But if you surrender your life to Christ and believe in him that God sent him to the earth, the Son of God, then the Bible says we're saved and we have eternal life. But having been saved, we all have, have the opportunity, we Christians, to know God in a personal relationship way. But beloved, it's going to cost us to know God. So I have a warning for us all, including myself. In order to be devoted to something or someone, we must be prepared to sacrifice other things. And and you and I, we all accumulate idols through our life, things and practices that we become attached to. But you know, there's only room for one God in our life. So I have to ask you, and I have to ask myself this, what are you and what am I devoted to? Uh, is it happiness? or pleasure, or sport, or art? Is it, is it leisure activities? Is it eating, or entertainment, movies? Is it reading, literature? Is it acquiring knowledge? Uh, I read that the scholar Sir Francis Bacon, he, he lived in the 16th and 17th century. He was a great man. He was a great intellect, great scholar. He wrote, reading makes a full man. Conversation or speaking makes a ready man. And writing, an exact man. (laughs) I used to think that was really good. Each of these pursuits, though, it just develops an intellect and makes a scholar, which is what he was, Francis Bacon. But what about the whole spirit in us? What about character? What about integrity? And the Bible says that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. You know, love makes a perfect man. Sorry, Bacon. Love makes a perfect man or woman. What about knowing the creator of the universe and allowing him to rule your life and lead you to the things he has planned for you to do? 
Solomon, the third king of Israel, he uh, was a man of great wealth, great intellect, great wisdom, and he applied that wealth and all his energies to multiple pursuits. Um, he, he, uh, he had gardens, he had slaves, he, he, he wrote art, he enjoyed laughter and amusement, uh, you name it, whatever there was possible for a man to do and give himself to, he did it. He did all that stuff. Uh, and he wrote a book about it in the Old Testament, the book of Ecclesiastes. And you know how Ecclesiastes begins with the words, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Now, the literal translation of that word is bubbles. And what Solomon was saying was all that he tried to do, everything he'd ever experienced in this earth was just bubbles, bubbles, everything is bubbles. Because unless we're devoting ourselves to to the one person that will make the difference, we're wasting our life. No matter how intelligent, no matter how good-looking, no matter how uh, gifted, no matter how how uh, intellectual or how physically strong we are, we're wasting our life. Now Ezra, he understood his options and he chose well. He devoted himself and he set his heart to know Almighty God through the Word of God. And at the closing moments of our lives, will we be most satisfied with Ezra to say, I chose my devotion well. Think about that. I chose my devotion well. You can make a difference. You can make a difference if, point one, find the right, the one object of devotion, that is the Lord God. Develop a love for Him. The second point here is, aim for the greatest impact on self. What, what is this going to make the greatest impact on your life? That you will make a difference. It says here, Ezra devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord, not just the study of it, not just to knowing God, but that it would change his life. Wow. Psalm 119 verses 59 and 60 says this, I thought of my ways and I turned my feet towards thy statutes. I hastened and did not delay to keep your commandments. Ezra was passionate. Uh, like this psalmist, about keeping and and imitating the words of God. Dwight Lyman Moody, D.L. Moody, was a great American preacher in the 19th century. Uh, He travelled all around the world preaching the gospel and teaching the Bible. And he set up the Moody Bible Institute, follows its name in Chicago, it's still there today. He wrote this, The world has yet to see what God will do with someone fully consecrated to him. Wow, that many people have tried to do that. How may anyone be fully consecrated to God, you ask? Now, I've got to suggest some Bible disciplines that may help us to be consecrated, but you know, it's all got to come from our heart. For instance, the great commandment that Jesus quoted in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, we all know it, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So to love God with all our heart, uh, passionately, and endearingly, and to allow the word of God to fill us richly. That's the good word. Um, I've been talking quite often about a, a, a preacher and a, a fellow named George Mueller. 
born in Germany, but he grew up, he, he, his ministry was in England and then around the world. Uh, he founded a church in Bristol, England. In fact, he was one of the leaders of the Brethren Movement. And we know him mainly for those orphanages that he built and uh, how through answers to prayer, God provided him with millions and millions of dollars that he used to help evangelists and to help missionaries like James Hudson Taylor and to print, to print evangelistic tracts. He, he was a great man who devoted his life to God. Well, George Miller wrote this, among other things, about the Bible. The vigor of our spiritual lives will be in direct proportion to the place held by the Bible in our life and thoughts. The vigor of our spiritual lives will be in direct proportion to the place held by the Bible in our life and thoughts. If the Bible is a book sitting on your shelf that you rarely touch, your spiritual life won't amount to anything, is what George Mueller is saying. But if you devote yourself to it, as Ezra did, then God will do great things for you, through you. Jeremiah 29, 13, Jeremiah wrote that God says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God is not going to respond to someone who's casual about it. But when we have our heart set on knowing God, he will let us find him. And Jesus said, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Don't worry about all the other things of life. God will provide that for you, but put first seeking his kingdom and building his kingdom and being a righteous person, man or woman, a young person. The Apostle Paul wrote, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And that doesn't sound like uh, we pray when we get up and we pray at meal meals and we pray in church and we pray in the evening. He says, devote yourself to prayer. Same as set your heart to pray, make prayer uh, as important to you as breathing and eating. That's what Paul is saying here. And that sort of prayer typically puts us in that supplicant supplicant position that we're waiting on God and asking for His will to be done. We're claiming His promises. We're not giving Him a, a shopping list of things we want. We're telling Him what we know He wants and we're claiming His promises to do it. Beloved, I have to ask you, and I have to ask myself, what are you currently doing that is changing. Can you see any changes taking place in your life over the last month or over the last year, over the last 10 years? I hope and pray that you're seeking to be a person who makes a difference. As we looked at this passage in Ezra 7.10, uh, to find the one thing that we can devote ourselves to, and it's got to be knowing God. And then secondly, to aim for the greatest impact on ourselves. And obviously the third thing is to make a deep impact on other people. Um, and Ezra said uh, not only devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. Ezra was a teacher. Uh, and not simply a teacher like a distant lecturer. Now, I, I went to Bible school for five years and I had lots of, of lecturers and lots of teachers and they stood at the front of the class and they gave us notes and they, they read out things and we had to take notes. And, and that's how a lot of teachers teach. But Ezra is talking about teaching as a mentor and as a personal example. Now, this kind of teaching requires a high commitment from anyone uh, towards people to allow time for them. 
Now, Paul, in many of his letters, you can see this um, happening all the time, especially uh, in the church at Thessalonica. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 7-10, this is what Paul uh, wrote about his teaching methods. He said, You know very well that we did not come to you with flattering words, nor did we use uh, talk to cover up greed. God is our witness. We did not try to get praise from anyone, either from you or from others. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have made demands on you, but we were gentle when we were with you, like a mother taking care of her little children. Because of our love for you, we were ready to share with you not only the good news from God, but even our own lives, you were so dear to us. Surely you remember our brothers and sisters, how we worked and toiled. We worked day and night, so that we would not be any trouble or burden to you as we preached to you the good news from God. You are our witnesses, and so is God, that our conduct towards you who believe was pure, right, and without fault. You know that we treated each one of you just as a father treats his own children. We encouraged you, we comforted you, and we kept urging you to live the kind of life that pleases God, who calls you to share in his own kingdom and glory. That's teaching. That's being with people and encourage them and, and putting up with their, their problems and, and weeping with them if necessary and, and hanging out with them, spending time with them until they begin to become like Jesus. That same Apostle Paul selected a young man, Timothy, from the town of Lystra, uh, in we're southern Turkey today. Uh, he selected Timothy to accompany him and to learn his ways, Paul's ways. And at the end of his life, Paul wrote to this man, the letter we know as 2 Timothy, and urged him in this manner. I want to read to you from 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. Listen to how Paul Phrases this, you then, my son, he says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. He calls Timothy his son. He says, I want you to pass on to other people by your behavior the same way as I imparted this to you. And of course, Paul is talking about the very model that our Lord Jesus Christ used with the disciples. He said, Jesus said in Luke 6.40, I believe, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully taught, will be like his teacher. The whole, the whole purpose of this sort of teaching that Ezra's talking about is to change people's lives, to change their character. That to imitate you as you imitate Christ, Paul said. Now Ezra, along with uh, the three post-exilic prophets, Haggai, Zephaniah and Malachi, he, he, they led and encouraged a great revival in Israel. Following their 70 years of captivity, they changed the behaviour of that nation. No longer was idols ever, ever, idolatry ever practised in ancient Israel. Think of what a difference Ezra's life made. And beloved, for you and I, the way to make a distinct difference is to so conduct ourselves, among others, that we produce disciples for Jesus Christ who have the same zeal for the work of the Lord that we do, and so much so that they will continue this process and make more disciples. You can make a difference.
You can make a difference if you focus and set your heart on knowing God. The one thing. You can make a difference if you aim for the greatest impact on yourself to change your own life. And you can make an impact, you make a difference rather, a deep impact on others. But it's going to cost us to do that. Jesus said in John 12, 24, our Lord Jesus Christ said, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. What a difference a grain of wheat can make. God bless you as you heed his word today and every day till Jesus comes again. Amen.